you to remember Steve and Dawn Mobley. This is Robbie, Robbie and Lauren. Lauren's mom and dad, their house burnt down on Friday night. And uh, they, I'm not sure about, I'm pretty sure it's kind of a total loss. So please be praying for them. They're kind of staying with Robbie and Lauren. And so please lift them up in prayer and uh, pray for them. Uh, and then also I want you to remember Veryl Stimple. This is Missy Kennedy's dad. He's not doing very well in it looks like he has bone cancer, and uh, so please be praying for him. He's down in West Virginia. Lift him up. I know that they will greatly appreciate that and be praying for him. And then also I want you to be praying for Serenity and, and Linda. Uh, did I get that right, Brian? Where'd Brian go? There he is. Did I get that right? Okay. So I, we haven't said much about this, but Brian and Shannon are in the process of uh, adopting some children from North Carolina and uh, it's been quite a process lots of things to go through uh, as you can imagine and so the transition and all of that is very difficult but I thank the Lord for their willingness to do this and to provide this kind of home for these two young people that need it and uh, so we're just praying for them I've been praying for them often and I, I asked Brian if it was okay if I share a little bit of it and uh, so lift them up in prayer and uh, there's a lot that goes on with that and I know and uh, but I know that what they're doing can make all the difference uh, for those children that they're bringing into their home so please lift them up in prayer with all the transitions that they're going through what we're going to do tonight is open up in a word of prayer and start right away with the youth choir uh, and so we're going to just start out like that Ben would you stand up right where you are and open us up in prayer brother
always glad to have the youth choir sing. They do a great job. Praise the Lord for it. All right. Let's not forget, really this week we've got one kind of announcement and uh, with two things in it. Number one, tomorrow night we'll be here at 7 o'clock. Travis will be preaching for us. Then we're going to have Andrew and Mary Beth Jones. And this family is a blessing, and I know they're going to be a blessing to you. We're so excited about that. Tuesday night, a little bit different. If you want to go with us over to the event, Franklin Graham event at, the, at Fair Hill, the bus will leave here at 5 o'clock. If you want to meet us over there, that's fine as well. I think there's going to be a lot going on. Either way, that's fine. So don't forget about that. Then Wednesday night, right back here. And uh, Brother Travis will be preaching for us. We're going to have uh, Andrew and Mary Beth with us. Again, excited about those meetings and what the Lord's going to do. This morning, the Lord was good to us. Amen. And uh, if we can um, just try to get out of the way, amen, and be obedient to him over the next couple of days, I think God will use it in a great, great way. Please don't forget that it's the last day to sign up for the mother-daughter brunch that's on Saturday, May the 6th, so please don't forget that. Make sure you get a bulletin with everything else. If you can help us out with some food for the Paris Foundation, we'd appreciate that, and you can see Becky about what she needs. All right, this time we'll have our young ushers come. This offering tonight, right now, it's uh, Sunday night, the fifth Sunday, so this offering actually goes to our WMU, so don't forget that. This goes to our WMU. Uh, and then later on tonight, we'll take up an offering for Brother Travis. So, and uh, Daryl's going to sing a song. In the last verse of it, we want the choir to come up here. We're going to sing a couple songs this evening. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for the opportunity to meet in your house. We're thankful for what we experienced this morning. The Holy Spirit was sweet. The Holy Spirit was real. Dear Lord, we know that we live in a time when Folks need to hear this gospel. Dear Lord, we're thankful for the opportunities that we'll have this week to be uh, sharing the gospel, bringing people to the meeting. Dear Lord, use us in whatever capacity you would have. Dear Lord, we are thankful for the ministry of the WMU here at our church. Dear Lord, the blessing that they are in so many different ways. Pray that you keep using them. In Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. Receive my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith 
I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. All right, choir, come on up on this last verse. But drops of grief can repay the debt of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Amen. You may be seated. We were practicing some songs uh, right before y'all got here, and we practiced one we hadn't done in a while called His Favorite Song of All. And I just got to tell you, it was blessing my heart as we were singing it, just thinking about the celebration that went down in heaven the day that I called on the Lord and he saved my soul and how big of a deal that was in heaven and how it changed my life from that point on and how, how his favorite song at that point on is the song of the redeemed that lift up their voices in praise and worship to the only one who's worthy of it. And tonight that's just what I wanted to do. I know it's raining outside and it's been an ugly day. It was a good day to stay in, right? <laughs> Get your little nap in. So you should be refreshed. Time to come into the house of the Lord and worship him. I'm excited for this meeting. I'm excited for what God's going to do. I'm looking for him to do something special in my heart. I've been listening to, um, I don't know, yesterday I just got into a trail listening to um, testimonies of people on YouTube that were just going down a wrong path, atheists, drug addicts, Muslims, and just far from God, and just how God just done a miraculous work in their life. And, and the crazy, the, the, the thing that I found amazing was that so often it was just one person just doing the smallest little thing, act of kindness, inviting somebody to a Bible study, inviting somebody to, and you hear it all the time that if you just plant the seed, God will sow it. And man, that is just what happened on every one of those testimonies. Somebody invited, would just showed the love of Jesus to somebody and invited them to this or invited them to that. And just all along the way, God would just put something in these people's path. Uh, a Bible on a, on a stand right before they're cashing out. That, and then a voice in their head just said, you better buy that thing. Um, or they go through a, that driving down through town with a church sign that just says something that strikes a chord. And all, that, all stemming from just the obedience of that uh, believer just to act in kindness and in love and, and invite somebody. And then God just did the rest of the work and did something amazing in their life. God wants to do something amazing in your life this week. And I just pray that you let him for it. Let him do that. We're going to sing his favorite song of all. And I just pray that you would just worship him tonight. He loves to hear the wind sing as it whistles through the pines on mountain Loves to hear the raindrops as they crash to the ground in a magic melody. And he smiles with sweet approval as the waves crash to the rocks in their harmony. All creation. 
creation joins in unity. Sing to him majestic sympathy. Lift up praises to the great I am. But he lifts his hands in silence as the weakest saved by grace begins to sing. And a million angels listen as a newborn soul sings, I have been redeemed.
And I'll tell you this morning, it just thrilled my heart uh, as the Holy Spirit was moving. And, uh, and Travis just got up and followed the leading of the Holy Spirit so well uh, and just brought what we needed uh, for this morning. And, uh, and I, I believe he's going to do that again tonight. Uh, I'm excited to hear him preach. I'm excited to uh, just kind of turn him loose tonight and, and let him do uh, what the Lord puts on his heart. And uh, you be praying for him uh, that he would encourage us and uh, just whatever the Lord puts on your heart, Brother Travis, you come around and preach for us tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Get your Bibles. Let's go to John chapter 5 tonight. So good to be with you all. And it's, uh, uh, it's a privilege to be here. I've looked forward to this since he'd asked me. You've met a lot of my friends and he's friends with a lot of my friends and and so it's good to be able to become connected this way, and I thank God for that. Uh, and, and wow, what singing. You, you all, I'm sure, know this, but not everyone in the country gets to enjoy what we've already enjoyed uh, just this morning and this evening. I praise the Lord for His goodness that He would give so many uh, good singers and, and, and a family of the church body here to be such a blessing to us. Praise the Lord for that. We ought to be thankful that God set us in this place to be a part of this body of people. Uh, you guys are eating some bread spiritually that many churches that I go all over the place don't have what you all have here. So be thankful for that. Always remember it's a blessing from God. Even, I believe, to be a part of such a good church with a lot going on. I got here about 9 o'clock last night, and this place was not shut down. <laughs> no, by no means. It was alive and well at 9 o'clock at night. I pulled over to the fellowship hall and all the lights were on. All the young people were in there playing basketball and eating brownies and, 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 and chips and, and carrying on. They must have been 25 people, I guess, if not more, maybe. They was just people everywhere. So praise the Lord for a church that's got a lot going on. And three rows full of young people. And I've also heard of a, a ministry that you've had where you can uh, have some youth get-togethers and other youth from other churches come. And, and praise the Lord for that. That's a great blessing. That's God's hand on you. Let's not take that for granted that he's been so good for us in that aspect. And uh, so it's a youth Sunday. Well, we need the youth, do we not? A lot of them know me as T-Bone from Arise. Uh, he's a little bit different character, if you will. He probably preaches a lot the same. <laughs> but he looks a little bit different, and so I play a character there, and, and so the, uh, that's how I got introduced to some of them. They said, hey, you know this is T-Bone from Arise. So... But we need the youth. The reason we go through all those lengths is because they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Praise the Lord. And so we need them. John chapter 5, I was reading in your, uh, in your bulletin here, underlined some things. He had a verse in Acts chapter 1 talking about receiving power. Uh, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But power for what? The Bible says, and you shall be witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea. Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He started in the hometown, then in the city, then in the state, and then in the whole world. And, uh, but what's the power? The power is to become witnesses. That God's given us the power. What's the power? It's the Holy Spirit. You can read it for yourself if, you, if there's some left. There's not very many left from this morning. Underlined a few things. I couldn't get this off my heart, and it's the reason we'll be in John chapter 5 tonight. And so he wrote a couple things. It says, the thrust of the gospel message is the witness of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is no longer here in flesh. Now, he may be here in spirit. He's left the comforter. 
But Jesus Christ is no longer here. I can't tear open the panels of the ceiling and lower the lame man down that Jesus may heal him. I, I can't tell you to where to find him so you can touch the hem of his garment. No, Jesus is not here in the flesh. He's on the right hand of the Father, the Bible says. But it says that the power of the gospel, it's in the witness of Jesus Christ. Who's the witness? What is the witness? We are witnesses, your, pre, your pastor wrote down in here. We are witnesses that not only he's risen and he lives and works, uh, but he lives and works in our life daily. We are the witness. Engage yourself in the witness of resurrection. In John chapter 5, I want to give some witnesses in John chapter 5 that Jesus is who he says he is. I'll provide evidence tonight that I believe the scripture already has thousands of years ago uh, that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe he provided us some evidence in the scripture and by the help of the Holy Ghost, I'll provide those same evidence here tonight that I believe are still evident in this day and hour. That it's not something of old, it's not something of just John chapter 5, but these witnesses, these evidence that Jesus is who he says he is, is very ever present in the world today. And me and you make up a good part of that, that me as your pastor has directed already this week for today. It's the reason why I believe he's led by the Lord. I believe he's trying to honor the Lord. I believe he's being obedient and sensitive to the Lord. And if the Lord would have him to pin this for us to read in the bulletin today, uh, I believe it is the will of God. That's what I believe tonight, regardless of what happens. I believe it's the will of God that we hear about some more about the witnesses that Jesus Christ left himself. I believe if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then we will be the witness. Then we will be able to tell of the story. Our brother Daryl's talked about many people giving testimonies on YouTube of how they once was this, but now they're this. How they once was wicked and in dark places, but now how they've received the righteousness of God, walking in heavenly places in the light of God's word. They are evidence. They are a testimony that Jesus is who he says he is. Are you a testimony and are you a witness that Jesus is who he says that he is. John chapter 5, reading in verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another, this is Jesus talking, if you don't have a Bible with red letters like mine. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness that he witnessed of me is true. He sent unto John, and this is John the Baptist here that he's referring to, and he bear witness unto the truth. <clears throat> But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. Jesus said, I don't need a man to tell anyone about who I am. But he said, I've allowed it to be that way so that you might be saved. Aren't you glad that there's still a preacher or there's still a witness, there's still a soul winner that'll tell somebody else about Jesus so that we may be saved? Praise the Lord. He said he was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witnesses than that of John. For the works which your Father have given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself, which have sent me, have borne witness of me. You've neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom ye have sent, him ye believe not. Finishing our reading for the evening. 
Search the scriptures. Search the Bible, he says. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think you have eternal life. He said, and they are they which testify of me. He said, you think because you've got a copy of the scriptures that you have eternal life. But he said, do you not know that it is the scriptures that tell you about me? Want to provide some evidence here that Jesus is who he says he is. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. God, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, I pray that you would put it in the hearts of the people to want Christ to be evident in their life, Lord. And I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, to honor you. Lord, I pray that you would revive the hearts of the people, encourage them, and let them know Jesus is alive and well. All that he's done for us, he's worthy of our life. I pray, God, you'd return the joy of their salvation to those, Lord, in a season of life, Lord, that is trying. I love you, Lord, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In John chapter 5 here, in the beginning of the text, in verse 1, we see the pool of Bethesda. John chapter 5 is really not just about Jesus' evidence, but it's about the, man, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And he was lame for 38 years, laid lame by the pool of Bethesda. There were seven pools there, and many would go there, folks would go there, and that's where they believed when... And, and I believe it's verse 4, says that an angel would come down and stir the water. And when the water was stirred, they could get in and they could be healed. When the Lord's moving about and stirring about and stirs in your heart, now is the time to respond. Now would be the time to be obedient to the Lord. What he, uh, what he does in your heart tonight may not be what he does tomorrow night. If he speaks to your heart tonight, that would be the time to get in the water. That would be the time to get in with what God is doing. And here in John chapter chapter 5, the lame man here is by the pool and he can't get into the water because he's lame of his feet. Jesus Christ shows up and says, wilt thou be made whole? He says, I have nobody that will help me get into the water. He says, I have no friend. Jesus wasn't really concerned about his excuses why he couldn't be made whole. <laughs> he just said, wilt thou be made whole? When Jesus came by and saved me, he wasn't worried about my inability. He already knew I probably had plenty of excuses why I couldn't save myself. He just said, wilt thou be made whole? He was really just concerned about doing all the work. I just had to have faith and trust and believe in him. It's the same as the lame man here. He said, take up thy bed and walk. He allowed him to get up. He rolled his bed up. He healed him from being lame. The lame man was not lame no more. He could run, I believe, and he could walk. He went directly to the temple and began to tell everybody about what just happened. There was a man that I met who healed me of my lameness, who healed me of my disease, healed me of my sickness. And while he was in the temple telling everyone, uh, the, there was some Jews there, some Pharisees that noticed a, uh, some furniture on his back. They had made a law that said you're not allowed to carry furniture on the Sabbath day. Jesus knew what day it was. Oh, yes, and he showed up on the Sabbath day and he healed the man, which they looked down at that on the Sabbath day even just to heal. And they also said it was sin for the man to be carrying his rolled up mat. He was moving and you're not allowed to move furniture. That's all the furniture that he had. And so he was moving his bed. They said, who caused you to sin? He said, well, I didn't know who it was. Jesus found him in the temple later and revealed himself to him, told him who he was. And he said, don't sit, go and sin no more unless something worse fall upon you. And, and so uh, he ran back and he told him it was Jesus that healed me. In the, in the verses that I read, immediately when they heard that it was Jesus, that he did this miracle and, and that, that he calls for, as far as they're concerned, a man to sin and carry the bed on the Sabbath day, 
they held him in contempt. They, they captured him, if you will. Verse 16 even says that they sought to slay him. They really wanted to kill Jesus right then. And so they bring him to court tonight, if you will, for the next few minutes. I would like us to pretend, if you will, or just imagine that we're in the courtroom. And they bring Jesus to the stand. They bring Jesus to court and say, you've done this and you've done that. Why did you do these things? <clears throat> in the prior verses that I read, he said, because I'm the son of God. He said, I'm doing the works of the Father. And they knew enough scripture to know that the Messiah or the Savior of mankind, they knew that their Savior was the Son of God and was equal with God. So when he told them, I'm doing the works of the Father, when he told them, I'm the Son of God, that's to make himself equal with God, which he is God, we know that, but the Jews did not want to believe. The Jews did not want to trust that Jesus was the Messiah. So they held him with blasphemy and said that he was a sinner. So they sought to kill him, and I read to you some evidence that Jesus, Jesus provided to said, I am who I said I am. They said, why did you do these things? He says, I'm Jesus the Messiah. Why did you do these things? I'm the Son of God. Why did you do these things? I'm doing the works of the Father. He provides some evidence now that Jesus really is who he says he is. And I would like to give them to you uh, uh, very quickly tonight three things that, three evidence that prove Jesus is who he says he is. And the court is in session and the very first verse I read, it says that if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Now, Jesus wasn't a liar. We know that. And he can't lie even if he wanted to. We know that. So what did he mean when he said, if I bear witness of myself, it's not true? He understood man's uh, uh, problem. He understood man's mindset. If I was a criminal, right, if I was a bad guy criminal, and I used to be, for God changed me. Praise the Lord. I'll probably tell a little bit of that later this week. But, but the, if I was a criminal, and if I hurt somebody or did something, well, if I was a criminal and they called me to the stand, I'm going to say whatever I need to say in order to get me out of the trouble. I like to say it this way, the judge and the jury wouldn't believe much of what I had to say about the trial and the crime. That is why we call witnesses or we call evidence to the stand that can say, they say, where were you at this night at this time? And I would say, well, I was at the McDonald's at this night at this time. And a witness could say, no, he was not at McDonald's. He was at the crime scene. So Jesus makes note here saying, it doesn't matter what I tell you, you're not going to believe me anyway. So now Jesus has allowed some witnesses. He's allowed some evidence to prove that I am who I said I am. Let's get into those tonight. Number one is human witness. If you take notes, it's human witness. Notice what he said here. If I bear witness of myself, it's not true. But in the very next verse, he said, you sent under John and he bear witness unto the truth. John is witness number one. He is uh, evidence number one. John the Baptist was a testimony that Jesus was who he said he was. And, and he said he was a burning and he was a shining light. They, they were willing to listen to him for a season. They were willing to believe him for a season. But when they found out that Jesus the Messiah was just a poor boy from Nazareth, was just a carpenter's son, oh, that wasn't the Jesus that they wanted. But Jesus is saying, I'm giving you some evidence or some truth or some witnesses to say that I am who I said I am. And he provides John the Baptist. There are others in Scripture, but he uses John in the 
the text, and that's what I'll use tonight. There are human witness, and John testified not of himself, but he testified of Jesus. You see, to be a witness for someone else wouldn't do much good if I always talked about myself. What kind of witness would that be if I got called to the stand to witness for someone else and always talked about myself? Well, I wouldn't be much of a good witness at all. I'm there to give evidence and witness for those that's on trial. And John the Baptist was a human witness that testified that Jesus is who he said he is. You know, a lot of us preachers make much of John the Baptist, don't we? We say he was a wild man, right? And because he said, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, we always picture John the Baptist, and I'm not against it, I kind of like it. I'm, I'm a little bit wild myself, you know. I mean, I like turkey hunting, and I like fishing, and I like eating both, okay? So now you know how to please me if you want to this week. Any of those things, that's my style. And so anyway, John the Baptist was a wild man, we say us preachers. And I'm not against it. I think it's good preaching. I enjoy it. We say, oh, he was a wild man. And, and the, what was he eating? He was eating locusts and wild honey. And so us preachers, we'll spit and carry on and we'll say, oh, he was so wild. He had honey stuck in his beard and grasshopper legs hanging out of the corner of his mouth. I, I mean, he was a wild man. And, and the Bible says that he wore camel hair. We'd say, man, he must, be, he must be crazy to wear camel hair. But you do know everybody wore skins back then. But anyway, we'd say he wore his double-breasted camel hair suit, had honey in his beard, grasshopper legs sticking out of his mouth. Oh, from the wilderness, he was a wild man. But I never find any of that out by reading what John the Baptist said. I always find that out from reading other parts of Scripture. See, also other parts of Scripture tell us that John the Baptist is the son of a priest. He's the son of Zechariah. He's the son of a in the Levitical tribe. But we never hear that from John the Baptist. Uh, he comes from a wealthy family and comes from a good background. But we never hear that from John the Baptist. We never heard what John the Baptist ate through John the Baptist. We never heard what he's doing and whether he's wild or if he's not. We find that in other parts of Scripture. What was it that we found out from John the Baptist when we read throughout the Scripture of the context and, and, and verses that John the Baptist had something to say? John John the Baptist did not ever show up to tell everybody about himself. He didn't show up to talk about what he'd been eating. He didn't talk about his family. He didn't talk about his heritage. He didn't talk about his clothes. He didn't talk about where he was from. There was only one thing and one thing only that was important for John the Baptist to say. He was a human witness, a testimony to the Lord. And it was John the Baptist that said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He said, Whose shoes? I'm unworthy to even stoop down and unlatch it. That's who John the Baptist was. He was a human witness, not of himself. He could have said, I came from the wilderness and I'm a wild man living with much, not much. I eat grasshoppers and I drink honey and, and I only have camel hair to wear. And, and oh, I'm a crazy wild man. My daddy is a priest, but I find not uh, that none of that out. Uh, by John the Baptist, no. But I find that John the Baptist was only concerned with one thing and one thing only. It was to be a testimony that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, I want to be your friend. I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. But I did not come here this way to tell you about who I am, to tell you about where I'm from, to tell you about my family, to tell you about my name, to tell you about my money, to tell you about my diet, to tell you about what I like, tell you about what I don't like. No, the only thing that's important this week in this revival, it's not 
not about me, but it's about a testimony of Jesus Christ. It's a witness for Jesus Christ. It's a message for Jesus Christ. It is him that we point others to. We still need some people, the evidence of Christ today that would be in people's lives to not care so much about ourselves, but to point somebody to somebody else. The Bible says, I must decrease and he must increase. John the Baptist decreased so that the Son of God could increase. And we need some folks today right here in Nottingham that can have themselves to decrease so that Jesus may increase. I still believe that Jesus is who he says he is because I still meet folks everywhere I go that say everybody, Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. Jesus can change your life. He can do for you what money can do, what friends can do, what a job can do, what a marriage can do. A human witness is still alive today that there's some men and women that'll say not me but him. I can't even tie his shoe but he can change your life. Jesus is who he says he is tonight. Human witness a testimony. If we had a testimony service tonight, a good testimony is one that stands up and says, I brag on the Lord. A good testimony says, the Lord did this. A good testimony says, I love the Lord. A good testimony says, Jesus paid the bill. A good testimony says, Jesus saved my soul. A good testimony is, Jesus took care of me. Jesus has been faithful. A testimony is never about self, but it's always about the Savior tonight. Human witness you say, if God's so good to me, why are we still here? Why are we left to toil here if God's so good? If heaven's so great, won't we go there? And for the believer, we're going. Why is it human witness, testimony of somebody bragging on the Lord? You say, well, I believe that John the Baptist was a testimony, but I don't see much evidence anymore, no witnesses anymore. Why are we still here? The only reason heaven is that great and God does love you that much, the only reason, old and young, that you're still here tonight is because God's got a job for you to do. The only reason you've yet to make it to the other side of glory, he would rather you be there. It is because he's left you here to be evidence number one, to be a witness and a testimony that Jesus is who he says he is. I like the charge in the bulletin for us to Invite somebody and to tell them about Jesus Christ. A stranger even. For someone to ask someone at the gas station if they know the Lord or if they know where they're going when they die, if they believe in heaven or hell, that is evidence number one that Jesus is who he says he is. Though he may not be here, in our heart he resides. Number two, not only human witness, is there somebody that can testify about the Lord. But notice in the text also some evidence that Christ left, not just human witness, but his works. His works. Look in the Bible in, in verse 36. 
He said, but I've got a greater witness than that of John. And if we were at the, if we're imagining that courtroom, John the Baptist took the stand. And John the Baptist, they said, John is Jesus who he says he is. And he says, yes, indeed, Jesus is who he says he is. He's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. They said, all right, John, if you will. And, and they let him go down. And they said, Jesus, do you have any other witnesses that say you are who you say you are? And he says, that I do. He said, I've got greater witnesses than that of John. He said, my second one's even better than my first one, praise the Lord. He said, the works. I've got a greater witness. You see it, don't you? For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do. And the Bible says they bear witness of me. So John the Baptist leaves and his works stake the, stake the stand and they say works is Jesus who he says he is. Now what is the works of God? What is the works of Jesus? It's not the works of man. Oh no, it's much greater than that. God don't do things like men does them. If that's the case, he would allow me and you to do it. But when God does the work, it's a miracle. What is the works of God? They are miracles of God. And what is the miracle in the context of Scripture that we've read in John chapter 5? The miracle is that Jesus is uh, who he says he is because the lame man is not lame anymore. The beginning of all this trouble, the beginning of all of this chapter <clears throat> was because there was a lame man lame by the pool of Bethesda. And it had been for 38 years. And the Jews would have known this. If you, if, you, if you dig into your Bible and dig into some history, you will find out that the Jews, the Pharisees, would go down to these seven pools of Bethesda and they would offer prayers all the time. It was their religious duty. They would offer prayers to all of these lame people, all these sick people, but never provide no real help, never provide no real healing, never provide really uh, no prayer. Their heart was separated from God. You know that in the Scripture. But they would go down there. So they knew very well that this man was there for 38 years. I'm 41 years old. That man laid by that pool uh, almost as long as I've been alive. But the Bible says he was not laying by the pool anymore, but that he was up and running around, that he was in the temple telling everybody about Jesus Christ. The lame man was not lame anymore. What is the evidence alive in John chapter 5 that says Jesus is who he says he is? It is the miracles that Jesus did that prove nobody can do what I can do. What Jesus does can nobody else do. And John seen some miracles before. He even said that the books of the world, uh, they couldn't even contain all the things that would be written about about Jesus. And they can't deny the miracle of transformation. You see, they may deny that Jesus is the Son of God. And they may deny that God is the creator of the world. And they may deny that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and saves souls. But there's one thing that they cannot deny. They cannot deny that the lame man is not lame anymore. The man that was sick is not sick anymore. The man that was lame is now up and running around and well. There were blind men that Jesus met uh, who are no longer blind. Uh, there are deaf men and there are dumb. Uh, there's a lady with the issue of blood uh, and we know through the scripture that there's no more issue of blood uh, that the blind can, can see and the deaf can hear and the dumb can talk uh, and the lame can walk uh, and I still believe uh, that they're walking today that they can see today. I believe that she's even healed today in heaven uh, that lady with the issue of blood what Jesus does can no 
nobody knew. And it was a miracle of God, the transformation in somebody's life. What is the miracle today? I can hear the miracles you're talking about, preacher. I see the miracles of the blind man. I see the miracles of the lame man. I see the miracle of the issue of blood. I read it in the scripture and see it. But what is evident today that Jesus is who he says he is? Friend, I do not know your story and I do not know where you was when God came by your way and said, wilt thou be made whole? I don't know where you was when Jesus found you. I don't know where you was when Jesus saved you. But I remember where I was and I might as well have been paralyzed in my pit. I might as well have been a lame man. I might as well have been a blind man. I might as well, hey, I might as well have been a deaf man. But when Jesus came by and said, wilt thou be made whole? I was made whole that day. He saved me that day. Friend, do you know how I know that Jesus is who he says he is tonight? Because you are looking, friend, at evidence number two tonight. I am a miracle of God that I could be dead in my trespasses and sins or that I could be guilty of crimes and should be put to death because of Jesus' blood. 2,000 some years ago, I have offered the forgiveness of sin on my account. I have not forgotten that my sins have been forgotten. And that's a miracle tonight. The miracle that I believe that's still alive in 2023 is that I'm looking at a bunch of men and a bunch of women that used to be spiritually lame, used to be spiritually blind, oh, but not no more because God came by your way one day and said, wilt thou be made whole? And I'll never forget what he done. I'll never forget how good he was. I'll never forget the healing that he done. Look, I'm still praying that God will do some things in my life. But friend, I'll be honest with you. The reason that I know Jesus is who he says he is because I'm looking at about a hundred or more evidence and testimonies and witness tonight that Jesus is who he says he is. I don't need to see no more miracles. I don't need God to knock my pictures off my fireplace mantle. I don't need a lightning bolt to strike my grill and cook my steak. I don't need no fireball from heaven. I don't need some miraculous event to know that God is who he says he is. I believe that Jesus is alive and well today because he saved you, because he saved me and us to be forgiven for somebody else to pay our price that should have been for us to pay. That's a miracle tonight and it's an evidence that says Jesus is who he says he is tonight. You're the miracle. Stop selling yourself short, God, I need a miracle. Are you still alive? Are you still hearing me? God, are you there? I got a good idea. I don't know what's around here. This is my first time here, praise the Lord. I don't know if there's a Walmart nowhere, but you need to find some big store like a Walmart somewhere. When you leave here, they'll be open real late. There probably won't be much people there pouring the rain. You can go in and go right out, praise the Lord. Probably not going to be a lot of cashiers either. <laughs> you have to self-check out, imagine that. I tell you what, go to the Walmart and I want you to buy the biggest mirror you can find. I want you to hang that mirror in the longest hallway of your house. Every time you get home and go down the hallway, I want you to look in that mirror and I want you to look deep in that mirror. I want you to look far past the flesh. I want you to look far past your appearance. I want you to look far past your skin color and your hair color. Oh, and the clothes you got on. I want you to look deep in the mirror, friend. If you want to see a miracle of God, if you want to see that God is real, for every born-again believer in here tonight, go get you a mirror and look at yourself. 
yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror tonight. You're not looking at yourself, but if you've been born again by the grace of God, you're looking at a miracle tonight. You are the hand of God that says Jesus is who he says he is tonight. And if you've not been born again, you need Jesus tonight. And Jesus is who he says he is. And he can do a miracle in your life too. Lastly, I'm finishing up. Not only human witness, somebody to say Jesus is who he says he is, somebody to testify. But his works, the miracles that God done, what Jesus did can nobody else do. And lastly, not just human witness and not just his works, but his word. His word. Look in the Bible with me. Verse 38. Ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom have sent him, ye believe not. He said, if you'd have had God's word in your heart, if you'd have had God's word, you'd have known that I am who I said I am. Verse 39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they. What is they? The scriptures. They testify of me. His works took the stand and said, Trust me, Jesus is who he says he is. The things that I do, can't nobody else do. They allowed the miracles to take their seat and they allowed his word to come and take the stand. He allowed the Bible to be put on display, at least the Bible that they had in the entirety of that time. Praise the Lord, we have a more sure word of prophecy, as Simon told us, holding in our hand the word of God. The third thing that he left as evidence was his word. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And who is it that became flesh and dwelt among us? Who is the word of God? The word of God is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word is Jesus Christ. And he said, I am who I said I am because the Bible says so. If you want to go with me, I'm going to give you a story, and I'll finish. Luke chapter 16. If you want to go with me, I'm the new guy, so you better check me and make sure I'm reading out the right Bible. <laughs> no, your preacher would know that. Luke chapter 16. We'll begin reading in verse 27. Do y'all remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? The rich man ate good, and Lazarus was a beggar. He ate crumbs. And they both went to eternity. One went to heaven, or one went to paradise, and one went to hell. You know, now we go to heaven, now we don't have to go to paradise. You know why they went to paradise and not heaven? Because you can't go to heaven on the blood of bulls and goats. But when Jesus' blood was shed, praise the Lord, man, you get to go to heaven. You know what's the difference between heaven and paradise? That's where God lives. Praise the Lord. They were separated from God still. Why? God couldn't be around sin. Oh, it's pretty good living in paradise, but it wasn't in God's place. <laughs> praise the Lord, because Jesus died, we get to go to heaven and be with God forever. Praise the Lord. That's enough to pray about and thank God for it right there. But anyway, so the rich man, or the rich man went to hell and Lazarus went to paradise. There was a gulf fixed in between them so that we know they can't get to one another but they can see one another. We know that he had all of his emotions, all of his memory because he was in torment. He could feel pain. He called it a place of torment, the rich man did. He said, oh, that he would just take one drop of water on, the, on his finger, one drop of water on the tip of my tongue in this place of torment. 
I'm going to begin reading in verse 27. This is the conversation between the rich man and Abraham. They were in Abraham's bosom. That's a story for another time. He said, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. He said, I want you to send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brethren. I've got five brothers that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Isn't it something? In hell, he wanted Lazarus to go back and be evidence number one. He said, won't him go back and have him testify about this place? Then he said, uh, Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Isn't it now obvious he wants somebody to go back with evidence number two? Not only did he want Lazarus to go back and testify about eternity, but now he said if somebody goes back from the dead, they'll believe. He wanted a dead man that's now been made alive to be an evidence that eternity's real. Friend, you're looking at once a dead man who's now been made alive, the miracle of God, evidence number two. But look what Abraham says. He said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. Who is Moses and the prophets? Moses is not alive at this time. The prophets are not alive at this time. Who is he referring to? Who is it that he's talking about that he can listen to Moses and the prophets? They said the five brothers that are back at home, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But Moses is not alive. The, prophet, the prophets are not alive. The scripture's already been written. What is he referring to? He's referring to the written word of God. The Bible is full of Moses and the prophets. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. We call the Pentateuch. He's a picture of the law. And the prophets make up the rest of the Bible. What he said is, no, they have the scripture. Let them hear them. Jesus said, search the scriptures in them. They are they which testify of me. It is God's word that proves that Jesus is still who he says he is, friend. It's God's words that teach me about Jesus. It's God's word that gives me something to preach about. It's God's word tells me how to be a daddy tells me how to be a husband oh but it's even more than that this Bible is a bloody book there's blood on every page it's a scarlet thread from the beginning to the end that does not talk about us and our relationships but even more than that the Bible is full of one theme and one theme only the theme and scope of the Bible is that Jesus blood was shed for the remission of sin for the forgiveness of sin he rose from the dead by his own power on that third day to prove that death has no sting. Hell has no hold. Me and you can be saved. Me and you can go to heaven. That's a, that's a blessing from God and it's in every story. Abraham and Isaac. It's not about Abraham and Isaac. It's about Jesus. Every story from John Tittle. Uh, you can go to Chronicles and you can go to Kings and you can find the stick that Elisha threw in the water to save the axe head. Isn't it something that a stick, uh, an old wooden cross, uh, it can save a lot what Jesus did on there. Every John tittle of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. If you get to searching it out, you will find that it testifies of Jesus Christ being who he says he is. Brother Darrell, if you could get ready, whoever, to play and maybe sing us an invitation. Tell you a story and I'll be done. Jesus is who he says he is. And once I found out who he was, 
and made me love him all the more. I believe I'm more in love with Jesus tonight than I was this morning. I believe I'm in more love with Jesus tonight than I was yesterday. I've been saved for 12 years. Friend, I will tell you that I'm more in love with Jesus today than I was 12 years ago. Matter of fact, the song says, the longer I know him, the sweeter it grows. My relationship with the Lord has only made me to love him more. And I find this to be true in the Christian life. The more that I love the Lord, the more I can be evident in this world. The more that I give to the Lord, the more I find his hand evident in my life. I can't make it a day without the hand of the Lord evident in my life. I need him every hour. I need him to be a dad. I need him to be a husband. I need him to be a preacher. I need him every hour. When I found out who he was, oh, I loved him so. You want to know what real revival is? Well, a lot of people say there's all kinds of difference, real revival. When you really understand who Jesus is and what he did in your life, it's why money can't give revival. It's why good health can't give revival. No, because none of those things can do what Jesus has done. Well, they say good money will buy you a doctor, but it can't provide healing. But Jesus can do what no one else can do. I found this pocket knife right here that I hold this very one. I found it by the dumpster of my house. When I, where I live at, I got to go down the hill to the bottom of the hill where there's a green dumpster and put my trash in off my four-wheeler. Yes, I'm country for sure. This knife, preacher, was laying there in the trash. And they dump it. The, this trash can is one of them that you hook the cable to and it hooks to the back of the truck and then they dump it. And it must have rolled out of the garbage. It was laid there in the muck and the mire and the garbage and the filth. And, and it, it was summertime. You know that hot summer dumpster juice. Oh, it smells real right. This knife was laying there, thrown away, no good. This knife. I picked it up and thought, my goodness, what in the world? Somebody dropped a knife. I thought it must have been junk. I, I thought it must have been no good. Somebody throwed it away. I guess it must be no good if somebody throwed it away. And I looked at it, and sure enough, it looked rough. And I'll stay up here, security, by the way. I'm not, I'll just stay up here, by the way. I don't know how y'all operate. Somebody take me out here with a sniper rifle. Not done with getting shot at, praise the Lord. Anyway, so I found this knife. Boy, it barely worked. It was dull. It wasn't sharp, and it did no good. And it just looked thrown away. It looked like trash. It looked like nothing. Oh, it looked like something poor, something that had no effect, something that had no power, something that had no edge, something that's no good. It must not be no good if it's found in the slums of the garbage. I threw it in the four wheeler. And uh, when I threw it in the four wheeler, I kind of forgot about it. My oldest son, Isaiah. His nickname's Uno. You may see him one day. And he, he said, Dad, what about that knife that you got? Did you forget about it? I said, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Let me go out there and check. And I took it out, and I was opening it, trying to wipe it off and clean it up. It was just filthy and messy and no good. My brother called me, my younger brother, and 
he was in the army, I was in the Marine Corps, and uh, he did two tours over in Iraq. And so he called me and he said, what you doing? I said, found this knife over by the dumpster. Must not be rough and good. Must be junk thrown away because I found it down there. Somebody must not want it. And I'm going to clean it up and give it to Isaiah, I guess. And of course, you see who's got it still today. I said, it's got a name on it. He said, what's that name say? I said, Benchmade. My brother said, oh, that's good. Some of y'all back are going, that's high quality. Well, this ain't no slouch, friend. He said, that's a good knife. Don't get rid of it. I said, no, it ain't. It's been in the garbage. It's thrown away. This can't be. This can't be a good knife. This can't be worthwhile. It don't look like much. It don't act like much. It ain't doing much. Oh, he said, I'm telling you, it's worthwhile. My brother was testifying. My brother was testifying that the knife really was what he said it was. He said that knife is worth its weight in gold. He said that knife's one of the best. They issued those when I was in Iraq. I said, can't be. Somebody throwed it away. It didn't look like much. He testified and said, oh, I bear witness that knife is what I say it is. I said, it can't be. I'm going to put it to the test. I said, I'm going to prove it. If it's really what you say it is, brother, if it's really what you testify it is, if it's really what you say, I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to prove it. I'll find out if this is really worthwhile. So I found the company and gave the company a call and told them about this, and they said, well, let us see it. So I, I sent it to them, and they looked, and I put it to the test. I said, if, if it is what you say it is, prove it. If it can do what you say it can do, then prove it. A few days later, a few weeks later, maybe it came back in a box. It came back in the box and had the knife in it. Same knife. Right here it is. I know it's the same knife because it's got the same scars on it. It's got the same things that it went through life that it had on it. The places are rubbed off and the blades collars rubbed off. And, and I can see the scars on this and tell oh, that it's the same knife. They sent it back in the box and I had a little manual in there with it. And I, I took it out and opened that knife up and oh, man. It didn't do that before. The knife that I'm looking at today ain't the same knife that I saw before. My brother said, I'm telling you, that knife's worthwhile. When I got it, when I put it to the test and got it back, when I proved it, when I tested it, when I said, show me if you really are what you say you are, knife, if you're really that high quality, if you can really do it, my brother says, I'm going to put you to the test. I found out not only can this knife do what he said it is, but it keep, it's sharp and it keeps the same edge and it works flawlessly. And it's become, in a knife collector's house, it's become my favorite knife that I have out of all the rest. I put it to the test and found out that the works that this knife does don't know the knife do. My brother testified that it was what he said it was. When I put it to the test, I found out the works that it does is a miracle. This ain't the same knife I found in the dumpster, but it is the same knife I found in the dumpster. I told you when they sent it back to me, they sent back a manual in the box. I took out the box and I found out that the knife had a name and I found out what it's good for. Found out how to use it. Found out how not to use it. Found how to keep it sharp. Found out what kind of steel it is. Found out all I need to know about the knife that my brother testified. The knife that does great works that no other knife I've got does. 
There was a day in my life that I didn't think Jesus was who he said he was. There was an old preacher in the mountains of West Virginia that kept saying, Travis, Jesus is who he says he is. Oh, and he's high quality. Oh, he's worthwhile. Oh, he's the best thing that there's ever been. And I said, well, he don't look like much to me. He came as a servant. He washed disciples' feet. He died on the cross. He don't look like much. He's just a poor old carpenter. He's just, oh, he's just something from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? But he kept saying, no, I'm evidence. Trust me. There's a testimony of Jesus Christ that he really is who he says he is. And I said, it just can't be so. He can't be really what you're testifying about. But then I put him to the test preacher. Then I proved him. Then I said, all right. I said, God, I said, Jesus, if you really are who you say you are, if you really are what that preacher says, if you really are the best thing I've ever seen, if you are the best thing that this mankind has ever heard and touched and felt and listened to, then I'm going to put you to the test. And I found out everything to be true, that what the preacher said about him in my life, I became evidence number two, that the works that God did in my life that the preacher said he could do. I found that it's a miracle, friend, and I stand before you today. I may look the same as I did. My clothes may be the same. My house may be the same. I'm not though I'm not a friend. I may look like Travis Carlock, born to John and Robin, but friend, I am not the same Travis Carlock that was born to John and Robin. Oh, no, because the work the miracle that God done in my life. It proved that Jesus is who he says he is. And friend, he didn't leave me alone, but he gave me a manual and I found out who he is and I found out what he does. I found out how much he loves me. I found out how to stay sharp. I found out how to live. I know who Jesus is because of evidence. Number three. Jesus is who he says he is tonight because there's still people that believe on a God that they've never seen. Jesus is who he says tonight because there's still evidence through the miracles of the transformed lives in this building that Jesus is who he says he is. And he left us a manual that tells us all we need to know about Jesus. I wonder, do you know Jesus tonight? May look like nothing, may look like nobody. Oh, but he's the best thing that's ever happened to mankind. If you'd put him to the test, you'd find out. He can do a miracle still today in your life. Invitation simple tonight. Lord, I want Jesus Christ to be evident in my life. Hey, I want Jesus to be evident in my marriage. We was talking over dinner, wasn't we? And we said that it's impossible to stay married. It's impossible to do it God's way. It's impossible to make it. I made a little statement and said marriage is like a three-legged stool. And if you take one of those legs out, it falls over. It must have a man and it must have a woman. Must have must have God. Without any of those three, the stool falls over for him. I want God to be evident in my marriage. 
I want God to be evident in my children. I don't know how to raise no children. I got one with a sickness too. I got one that's three and one that's 14. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm following the manual, friend. I want God evident in my boys' and girls' life. I want Christ to be evident in my work that I do. He said, whatever thy hand find to do, do it with all thy might. I want Christ evident at the job site. Whether I'm preaching, whether I'm singing, whether I'm cutting wood, I want God evident in my life. Is Jesus who he says he is? If he is, you need him evident in your life tonight. I think it'd be good for us tonight. Say, God, I don't know what you got planned this revival, but I want you evident in my life. I want you evident in my home. I want you evident in my marriage. I want you evident in my church. I want you evident in my work. I want you evident in my service. I want you evident in my prayer. I want you evident in my Bible reading. God, I want you evident in my life. Teens, the greatest thing that you can do at a young age. Trust God that he would have his evidence in your life. Peer pressure. Hardships. Friends are mean. Friends are mean. Kids are mean. You need God evident in your life. Or are we just coming because we get to sing? Or do we just come because we get to play ball? And friends, I'm finishing. But this is real stuff. This is real life. It's much greater than a church house. Much greater than a set of meetings. Much greater than a message from a briefcase. No, God needs to be evident in our life, friends. Because he is who he says he is. And if he's the son of God, I need him evident in everything that I do. Let's stand all over the building. As soon as they begin to sing, I challenge you tonight, won't you come and ask God tonight? Some's already coming. Make your way. Teens, would you come? I can't drag you to the altar. There must be some folks tonight that'll say, God, I want you evident in my life. I'm not in this thing for myself. I'm not in this thing for my gain. I'm not in this thing for my fortune. But I cannot make it without God. I cannot do it without God. You can't. You need him evident in your life. Won't you come tonight, bow at an old altar. Say, well, I don't usually do that. Friend, I didn't either. <laughs> but you know what? I find myself doing it more and more the longer that I know him. Some of you got lost loved ones. Some of you got sickness. Yeah, that same God, he can do that for them too. Won't you bring them to the altar tonight? Say, Lord, I want you evident in my life. I want you evident in my life. As they sing, you come. When I see the sunrise in the morning, when I Oh,